1: It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics.
2: Welcome to Episode 413 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you're having a great holiday season. And to celebrate the holidays, I've got a really great interview and our usual holiday tradition here at the podcast. Scary stories used to always be a part of the Christmas celebration, so it's appropriate that we're talking with Brett Murphy from Legacy Presents Tales of Horror, which is coming to a Kickstarter in January, I believe January 24th. So we're going to want to keep our eyes out for it. It's an anthology book with four stories, which we talk about, as well as what other books Legacy has coming our way. We discuss what the various stories are about, who the creators are, as well as horror being a very popular genre, even to this day. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. Then everything wraps up with our yearly tradition of playing towards the Dark Night before Christmas. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome to the podcast Brett Murphy, the writer of a couple of great horror stories, is coming in a book called Legacy Presents Tales of Horror, which will be starting with a Kickstarter soon. How are you doing, Brett? I'm
3: doing good, Wayne. Uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. I appreciate it.
2: Well, it's good to talk with you. So my understanding is is this is the first uh, material we've seen that you've actually written. You've got other stuff in in the process, but this is the first one that we'll get to see.
3: Ah uh, yes, that's correct. This will be uh, my first two stories that are written um, for uh, the comics, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for uh, for everybody to uh, to read the stories that I put out there.
2: That'll be cool. Now, there's four stories in this book, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh,
3: there's four stories, um, and I've written uh, two of them.
2: Mm-hmm. Who do you remember who wrote the other two?
3: Yes. So for our – the one story is called Hog Hunters, and that's written by a great UK writer, uh, Rob Plumpton. And our other story is called The Coco, which is written by a writer which is in my neck of the woods in Philadelphia. Hmm. Uh, His name is Radamese uh, Lilo.
2: Hmm. I've heard that before. When I read some of your stories, are are these like tied together because – Let's just say the Coco shows up as mentioned at least in one of the stories you wrote
3: well the the cocoa is uh, it's interesting um the Coco was actually selected when we put out uh we put out a um an opening for a final submission for the last story mm-hmm. and um we received uh, the story from Ranamis, uh called the cocoa and it was interesting it's actually a Puerto Rican fairy tale almost. It's about you know if kids are bad, he, a grandmom will turn into a monster and will take you away. So it, so it's pretty neat and uh, it was a pretty cool idea and it's it's going to be a pretty uh, scary book.
2: Because hmm. you know we're talking during the holidays and of course one of the things I learned a couple of years ago was about Krampus, which is yeah. kind of the anti of things. And uh, I was always I'm always fascinated with those kinds of things that those kinds of legends. Bring, we get the positives and then in response because kids don't always do what they're supposed to do. We have to have the negative version to be able to teach them what they should be doing.
3: Yes yeah, so and it's funny that you brought up the Krampus because uh that when I read the uh submission that's the first thing I thought of was uh was Krampus when I was reading it.
2: hmm because I, I love that. So there's a movie I think about Krampus that's around, and there's several comics that are based on the Krampus that I know about. But uh, that's gonna be fascinating. So, so the Coco is a, is a long lived legend.
3: Yes, and um, it's funny because uh, Nico Valdez, who's uh, the artist for two of the stories in this uh, anthology, is from Argentina. And when he read it, he said the same thing. I guess it's also popular in his culture as well. Uh, he, he knew about the Cocoa, and he actually designed a uh, variant cover with his idea of what the uh, the Cocoa would look like.
2: Hmm. Okay, so there's something to look forward to. I mean, is there information on the Internet about it? So if some of us want to read a little ahead so we'll be more familiar.
3: Uh, yeah, when I did a Google search, uh, I I, uh, I saw a different um, – Different pieces on the Cocoa and also there's uh I, I thought it was fascinating. Uh, uh, on our Instagram, I noticed some independent toy designers had designed a uh a cocoa uh figure. Uh so so it, it is out there. It's kinda like the Krampus. so uh so there's some background that's out there on um on different uh, tales of the cocoa.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Now this this what's the name of the company? This is legacy Publishing comics? Uh,
3: legacy comics.
2: Okay. So now you're involved with them? Are you like in the hierarchy of, of the people in the company? How's that go? Uh,
3: yes. Uh, so uh, myself, Nico Valdez, who's a an artist, and Mike Masati, uh, who's also an artist, uh, we kind of came together and we uh, started writing uh, a couple comics. Mm-hmm. And we thought, you know, instead of putting these out there to different uh publishers uh why don't we just start our own little company and uh try and Mm self-publish so uh we we started working and then eventually we also brought on Ange allister who's a fantastic writer slash artist from uh france and um so right now it's us four as a team and we're, we're kind of uh co-partners in this company and uh we're we're planning on putting out this horror anthology as well as other different comic book books and
2: mangas in the future see we live in a great time i have to say where people can actually get things printed You you do your own comic and get them printed which is you know 10 15 years ago i don't think that was even possible i mean you know, but the, somehow we've, technology has caught up with people's interests and abilities, and I think it's really great that you get to do that kind of stuff because, I, I you know, I, I have often said on this podcast, I, I feel badly for the people who had great stories that happened before Kickstarter came along because they probably couldn't get them done. They just probably faded into the ether. But here you are getting to be able to make your comic... Well, the Kickstarter going gonna help you do that. So I, I, you know, I applaud that. I wish it had been around sooner, <laughs> to be honest.
3: Yes, uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I am thankful that uh, you know we have Kickstarter and social media now to to kind of get the word out there, and mm-hmm. and I think it's a great thing for the uh, indie comic community because uh, we get a lot more uh, stories out there, and a lot more artists uh, can show off their work, and it, it's great.
2: Now, are you a horror fan?
3: Uh yes um I would say I'm more of a sci-fi fan but I I do like horror movies um which uh which kind of helped with uh, a couple of the books that I wrote I kind of uh, I guess when people read the uh, anthology they'll kind of get a sense of my two stories that you know it's a mix of horror slash sci-fi uh. mingling into
2: both, both of the stories. Mm-hmm. Now, you made some pages available to me, as well as a script, for the thing for the second one, and I, I was reading through them. Are the same characters in your two stories? Because it seemed like some of them were... Uh,
3: no, uh, so each story will have different characters. Okay. Um, there are two stories that are sort of similar in the sense that they... Both feature um, actual uh, YouTube personalities. Mm. Um, for example, Hog Hunters, which is Rob's story, uh, that features a. Uh, there's two YouTubers that I kind of enjoy watching who were, uh, you know, big time collectors. It's uh, Josh Pence mm-hmm. and um, Brian Wilson, who's also known as Big Dub, mm-hmm. as well as uh, uh, Wet Movie One, who's a big time horror movie uh, vlogger. Mm-hmm. Um, they're featured in the Hog Hunter story, and then in the Survival story, which is uh, a zombie story. Uh, we have uh, Cletus Selden, who's a professional boxer slash uh, YouTube personality as well. So, mm-hmm. so we do have uh, a couple of YouTubers in, in this featured in this comic.
2: Do they know they're going to be in the comic?
3: Yes, yes. Uh, be, before I put them in there, I I made sure to reach out and get their approval and and make sure it was okay to to draw them into the the comic
2: books. Because it's not only that that you want to do. You want to, when this gets done, you want them to be able to help promote it and maybe even sell a couple. If they go to an appearance or something, they could always have somebody there selling the comics, Mm -hmm. which would be a great thing to do. So I think that's cool stuff. So, okay, so this is good. How long have you guys been working on this so far?
3: Uh, We've been working on it i want to say we started the, the beginning of October. We kind of came up with the, uh, the concept for it. Mm-hmm. And th- that's where I guess we started getting everything in motion. Um, mm-hmm. or we reached out to Rob and, and, um, had a couple submissions for our last book. So uh, I would say the beginning of October is when we really
2: started to push for it. Oh, wow, and this is coming in December. So you haven't been working on all that long. Because I know some people I talked to, they've been doing stuff for years trying to get everything together. But that's great that you guys can do it at a lot faster pace. Yeah, yeah and I
3: mean, uh, with the team we have, with, uh, with Auster, uh Nico, Mike, also, uh, we have two great colorists in uh, Shiva, uh, Prakash, and Ishan Ansari. Um, with the team that we have, it's, uh, it's just great. I mean, everybody's on the same page, and, and everybody's a hard worker, and, and it's, a, it's a good team to have.
2: Now, Do you know when the book is going to be published?
3: Uh, yes, yeah, so um, we just determined that the Kickstarter is going to start on January
2: 24th. Okay, so it'll be a little bit... But what about the publishing? I mean, you know, you. you I don't know if you've got that planned that far ahead to, to know when the book's going to be printed.
3: Uh, yeah, so uh, the book is basically almost complete. We just have a couple more pages of our Sami story mm-hmm. uh, left to be uh, penciled, inked, and colored mm-hmm. and lettered. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're going to be ready to print as soon as the Kickstarter ends. Mm. So... So it's not going to be a long wait for, for the customers to to receive the book and actually have it in hand
2: okay so if somebody goes on Kickstarter because obviously this will take place after the, the interview when they go on Kickstarter do you know what it's going to be called I mean you're going to say legacy is going to be one of the word, important words to look for
3: uh, yes uh, if they just if they'll just type in uh, legacy or uh, legacy uh, percents Tales of horror they, they should be able to
2: find it. Okay, you're saying it's, it's later January that this will hit the the road. Okay. Okay. Is it going to be a month? Do you figure? Is that how long you're going to run the campaign?
3: Uh, yeah, we're going to try to have it out for uh, thirty days. Okay.
2: Okay. I I always with horror books, and I guess it's it's not necessarily important, but I always kind of wish that horror books would come out around Halloween. Because that's when people are, are in the mood for that good stuff. Like there's a, a Klaus book that's coming out just before Christmas. And I'm looking forward to that because I, I like time, well, time things. But you know what? Horror runs any time. I mean, there's really no best time to do it when you think about it. I mean, like Colin Bunn puts out stories all year long, basically. there A lot of them are horror stories. So... As much as I would love for this to come out Halloween, it's not really necessary, I guess. Did you guys think about that, or did Halloween kind of influence the beginnings of it? Because you said it started in October.
3: Yeah, I would say, um, I, I would say Halloween probably did start it off, uh, because we were, we were trying to determine what book we should put out first, because we wanted to make sure that whatever book we put out was going to have a real big impact. And we started floating around ideas, and um, so many ideas we had. Most of the ideas that we had for stories were horror related. Mm-hmm. And um, Nico Valdez, who's artist for two of the stories, um, on his Instagram, he has a lot of cool um, different zombie drawings, like zombie designs that he's ha- done in the past. Mm-hmm. So we thought it was a good idea to, you know, come up with an anthology. That way we can kind of showcase. Um, our different artists uh, that are part of the company show off uh, individually their uh, their art and their styles. So uh, we thought the anthology would be a good idea.
2: Yeah, you guys play to your strengths that way. Yes. yes. That's a Good way to do it. Okay. Now, why don't we talk a little bit about the two different stories? The the one that I got the script for. I know the name is called Till Death Do Us Part Again. And I find that interesting, of course, you know, but uh, there are all there are several books about weddings this time of year, so you're hitting just at the right place. And so why don't you talk a little bit, you know, what you can tell us about it. We don't spoil anything, but we want to be teased if we can. Just tell us what is Till Death Do Us Part again about.
3: Yes. Uh, so Till Death Do Us Part, uh, that's uh, one of the books, that are stories that I wrote for the anthology. Um, artworks done by Mike Masati who's a fantastic artist from Florida and, uh, the colors are done by, uh, Ishan and Sori. Uh, basically the book is about a rich couple. Um, and the, the groom in the book, um, you know, he's a big, uh, tech guru. Um, you know, kind of like, uh, Tony Stark, Bruce Wayne, you know, has a lot of money. Um, you know, good-looking guy, has a beautiful wife, and um, let's just say he has a machine that produces a bunch of clones, and, you know, he he kind of is a little, uh, has a couple of screws loose in the head, and uh, he's kind of uh, in that American psycho uh, serial killer mode where he uh, kind of goes on a rampage and you know, does a lot of uh, killing of uh,
2: clones. Hmm because you know clones are, are I always think sometimes that w- our science has outpaced our religion and our uh sensibilities. You know so I think you're touching on a real important story because I was I just happened to watch the uh Watchmen finale uh, on HBO and yes. one of the things they've done was they had the mother was cloned of one of the characters was cloned and now she's a young girl and if if you watch the way she acted you know, one of the things about that show was I kept noticing people acted strangely, and this young girl acted really strange, I thought, you know, very, you know, she, you know when you think about it, now I look back and I realize she was an older woman in a younger person's body, and that's why she acted the way she did. So, you know, clones are, I don't, think we've, I don't think we've gotten near to the bottom of things with, uh, with clones and stories that are there to tell. I think there's a lot to do, so I think I, that's good that you're doing this one. I, it ends on a really interesting note as I read the script, so I don't want to spoil that, but let's just say it's, it's got a, a, a fascinating end to it. Where did the idea come from?
3: Uh, Mike and I were kind of uh, pitching on ideas, and he kind of came up with the concept and um and i said man that's great that that would be awesome to uh tina make that into a story and it's something where i could kind of see it like being a movie Mm -hmm. so i started thinking uh i started you know writing down a couple scripts and then i finally just uh thought of the script that i came up with and showed it to mike and it was something that we kind of both uh pictured and um and it's something that's different. Like, I haven't really seen it in too many books, you know, kind of like this concept with uh, mixing clones and serial killers. So uh, I, th- I thought that was kind of an interesting concept. And I have to give credit to Mike because he kind of uh, brought that to my attention. And, um, and we, you know, we put it into a script and um, he, he, uh, he uh, did the rest with the artwork.
2: There's such an interesting part of it. And I don't know whether you want to, delve into this, but at the beginning, one of the things that Warren's up to is that he wants to occasionally take out his unhappiness with his wife, and so the way that he does this is, that's where the clones come in. And I I was stunned when I read that. I thought, wow, I said, if the cloning technology was more readily available, we would see a lot more of this, because, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people who are, you know, they don't know... They, they're not good expressing disappointment with people, and so apparently Warren's worked this out. And of course, that leads to that's the beginning. It's not really the end of the story, but it's a great start. It's a great place to start. I just I was stunned when I read that. I thought that is really, And I could see people who have a lot of money and access to technology thinking that would be good. But the the thing that always bothers me is that is a clone a separate person. Or is a clone part of that person? And maybe that might be something you could tell me how your point of view is on this. Is, is the clone are they different people? Are they the Xerox copies? How does this work?
3: Uh, so I kind of pictured it as, you know, clone being uh, giving them that human aspect, like having them basically be that person. So so they are um, humanized, like they are the actual person that's being cloned. They're just, you know, a separate entity, but they are that person. And um, th- that's one of the, uh, I guess, scary things about the book is, you know, uh, you know, if you had a clone of yourself and you're watching it, you know, get hacked to pieces, it's, you know, just that hard. You know, it's just it's just kind of kind of uh, scary in
2: a, in a sense to think of something like that. Yeah, it's, it's really unnerving is the word I would use for it. It makes you kind of
3: yeah.
2: worry about, you know, this is right now a story of imagination, but what happens when reality catches up with the story? Then trouble, <laughs> far as I yeah, can say.
3: Yeah.
2: It's a real it, it's one of the great things about science fiction and horror is the asking you the question what if? You know, what if clones were more readily available? What would people do? And this story really deals with that. And uh, and and it just shows that uh, it's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> it's, you know, having clones available might, uh, some people might take advantage of that situation in and, and other ways. So it's, it's a really great story. I really enjoyed it. It looks like it's 11 pages long, or 12 uh, yes, pages. Yes. Uh, it's 12 pages.
3: Yes, yeah, so, uh, these short stories we uh, you know kept them to you know anywhere between eleven and eighteen pages um,
2: uh, long for for each story. Mm-hmm. How many pages are going to be in the book when it's all done? Um,
3: I don't have the exact number offhand in front of me, but mm-hmm. probably to be
2: a pretty good sized book.
3: Yeah, there's probably be about uh I
2: would say uh, sixty pages. Okay, Well, that's a, that's a good sized book. You know, these days, yeah, these days when I I look at this stuff and I, I you know, uh, floppies now are getting to be kind of harder to read because they're so short, comparatively. I I buy you know collected volumes a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that, that's kind of why this book is going to be kind of, is uh, of an interest to me because I like these kinds of things, especially anthologies are coming up. There's been several folks I've interviewed on this podcast who are creating anthologies. It's interesting that indie people can make it work, but it just seems like, you know, well, the Walmart ones, I guess, DC's Walmart books are something like anthologies, even though most of them are reprints. But uh, most of the companies can't make anthologies work, but you guys can, and I think that's, that's a great thing for indie people to do.
3: Oh, yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's also awesome, uh, that, you know, indie companies are starting to do anthologies because it's getting, you know, not just one person's art and storytelling in the book. You know, you're getting a, a community of people and it's it's kind of uh, good for the reader to kind of have different stories and see different art styles that are out there. And, um, you know, in the long run, eventually that will also help them, you know, kind of gravitate towards a you know a particular artist or a writer and and it's kind of good
2: promotion for that as well and not only that if something takes off let's say one of them you know gets a lot of people excited and stuff and you can always pull that out and give it its own title if that's the case uh, yeah yeah that's a good thing i I like the way that you're doing it i think it's a great idea How
3: about that. thank you
2: now, why don't we move on to the other story? Now, the other story, I don't quite know what the title is. Can you tell me what the title is of the other story?
3: Yeah, uh, so the other story that I wrote for this uh, horror anthology is called "Survival," and it's uh, basically a, uh, a zombie story. Mm-hmm. It takes place in uh, my hometown of uh, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and uh, it's basically centered around, you know, a, a zombie invasion. And it follows uh, six survivors. Uh, four of them, are five of them, are pro- uh, professional athletes, and they're actual. Uh, we actually have uh, uh, permission to use their uh, likeness and names. And then there is a fictional character who is a young uh, woman who is uh, part of the group. And it basically uh, takes us, you know, through their journey. Um, they're they're going down south trying to. Uh, Trying to find signs of life, and it takes us through their journey. And um, there's a lot of cool fighting scenes in there that Nico uh, just absolutely knocked out of the park with uh, with a team, you know, taking on zombies. And the interesting thing with this story is, I reached out to a couple of uh, local professional athletes um, because I wanted to incorporate them in the, into this uh, into the zombie story. And um, I was able to receive their permission, and um, and we were able to put them into the book. Uh, mm-hmm. We have Cletus Seldon, who I mentioned earlier, who's a professional boxer and a YouTube uh, personality. Michael Scott, who's a professional basketball player for the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Scott Kingery, who's the second baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carter Hart, who's a goalie for the Philadelphia Flyers. And Trey Thomas, who was a— um, an all pro uh left tackle for the eagles they all agreed to let us use their likeness uh and actually use their names in this uh in this uh short story hmm. yeah and i i wanted to use professional athletes in this story because you know sometimes when i watch zombie movies and zombie shows i always feel like you know if there was ever a zombie apocalypse, I would think that, you know, professional athlete would be the one that would have the best uh chance of survival, either like a, a veteran, like an army veteran or a marine veteran or a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, or you know, they're supposed to be the best, you know, the most in shape uh humans on this uh planet and I, I feel like they would have the best shot of uh surviving the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. So I I kinda wanted to put that into this book. Hmm. And one of the interesting things is for each athlete, we kind of gave them their own unique uh, weapons. Uh, for example, uh, Mike Scott, who's a professional basketball player, he has uh, for his weapon, it's uh, like a ball and chain, like you would see uh, the Knights use. Um, except for the ball, it's a basketball with uh, uh, spikes uh, sticking out of it. So it's it's stuff like that that kind of makes it uh, – gives it like
2: a unique twist on the story because it's (laughs) i i I so desperately want to spoil the end but i just can't
3: (laughs) yeah i um that the ending i kind of uh i don't want to spoil it either but i kind of took the concept from one of my uh favorite movies and kind of put that in the ending Mm -hmm.
2: do you remember how many pages it is
3: uh survival is i believe it's uh 12 12, 12 pages.
2: Okay. Now, why don't we move on to the other story? The story centers around several young, younger—I don't know what you want to say—younger teens and stuff like that. They're with their abuela. I think that's not that a grandmother.
3: Oh, in the uh, the Coco book. Yeah. The the one with the uh, the younger kids and the grandmother. That is uh, uh the Coco, which is uh, a Radomis, uh, Lilo's book with Angie Alster.
2: Okay, so that this is a, a different story. than Okay, because yes. I was thinking this was one you wrote too, but apparently not. So the one that I got sent was black and white. Are they all color, or is, is some of them black and white? How is that working?
3: All the stories are color except for uh, the one that I sent you. Okay. Um, okay. The one I sent you is done by um, Ange Allister, who's a uh, a writer-slash-artist from France. Mm. And um, Ange's uh, art style is it's a manga art style mm-hmm. and for angie's uh books uh you know it tends to gravitate towards um uh, the manga genre so it's kind of an homage to uh to some of the manga stories out there that are in black and white and yeah. um and uh, angie's actually working on a uh a manga that's going to come out from legacy on march 20th called city inferno that kind of takes that style and um and that's
2: also in black and white. Right. Okay. So, okay. So we're clear on that. So that's, I like that story. And if it's anything like that, I'm sure it's going to be good. I like the other one, the script that you sent me. So I thought that was really good stuff. So, so that's three out of the four. What's the fourth one about?
3: Uh, the fourth one is called uh, Hog Conjures. And oh, that right. was, that's um, written by Rob Plumpton, who's a, um, a fantastic author from the UK.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, For this book, for Hog Hunters, we kind of took the concept from a horror movie that's out there called An Hour to Kill, which is um, written and directed by Aaron K. Carter, who is a uh, horror director, Mm -hmm. and we kind of teamed up with him and, you know, reached out to him and asked for permission to kind of adapt uh, one of the stories within that An Hour to Kill movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, Rob, Rob did an excellent job with kind of putting his twist on that, uh, on that story. And, uh, that's going to be another one where the artwork is going to kind of, you know, scare and freak people out. It's a, it's, it's a pretty wild concept. Mm,
2: cool. Okay. So that'll be good. So this is the, the one that I have, that's an anime one Are the other ones anime or are they, the styles different depending on the story?
3: Uh, The style is different for each story Um, Hog Hunters and Survival Are both done by uh, Nika Valdez And he kind of gives a more uh, Kind of a realist uh, Approach to his artwork
2: Very good So this is uh, uh, the first book That you guys are going to be releasing So that will be something special I'm sure you're working on other stuff And it's probably a little preliminary Are you going to continue with horror Are you going to go into other things As you move forward
3: Right now, uh, yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna kind of uh, move towards different genres. Uh, right now, I'm working on a kind of an action slash uh, supernatural uh, story as well as a uh, historical fiction. Mm-hmm. So we are gonna kind of geared, uh, kind of you no. Know, we're also gonna put out more horror books, but we're we're not just gonna stick with the horror genre. We're gonna kind of move towards other genres as well.
2: Now, what other genres would you like to explore?
3: I would like to kind of, uh, you know, really explore the sci-fi genre. Uh You know, I grew up a big Star Wars fan and space and aliens kind of always piqued my interest. So I I have a couple ideas that I, that I just need to, you know, put pen to paper and um, kind of get with, uh, with one of our artists and kind of sketch out some ideas.
2: Okay. Are you going to continue making anthologies? Or are you going to make individual stories? How are you going to go after this one comes out? Are you going to see how this goes and then progress from there?
3: Well, um, we're going to come out with a couple of uh, different series, not just uh, anthologies. Mm-hmm. But if this horror anthology does well, we already have a couple of submissions for a second horror anthology. Mm-hmm. So uh, if the feedback's positive for this horror anthology, then there's going to be a second one that would come out probably sometime this uh, this summer, uh, depending on the you know how well this one does.
2: Okay, sounds good. So okay. I, I'm just kind of fascinated because you've been a fan of comics for a long time, and you've made that jump from reading comics to writing them. Which I always tell on this podcast, I haven't been able to make that leap. I, I, I tell you, what's a good story? I just can't make that decide what is a good story and write it that way. Have you always been kind of leaning towards the writing? Have you read, you know, comics and stuff from the writing perspective?
3: Yeah. So um, you know, I grew up a big fan of uh, X Men with uh, Chris Claremont, mm-hmm. and I never thought that I'd be, you know, a, a writer or an artist. I thought I would just always be. You know somebody that would just read and um collect comics mm-hmm. but um i started working as a uh, a blogger for a music website and that's where i kind of got my interest in writing and um and kind of you know worked on uh, my different writing skills and i feel like that kind of helped me you know give me confidence to you know start writing uh some of these stories that i've written for comics and uh I feel like that was kind of a big help to kind of push me into actually taking the plunge and, you know, start writing some some of the comic books that I've I've uh,
2: kind of Continue. drafted up here. Yeah, well, that's that's great. I mean, do you know how many stories you've actually put together that you're hoping to turn into comics?
3: Uh, right now, um, besides the two horror anthologies, I have uh, three written out that uh, one of which we kind of started a. Uh, Doing some artwork and um, coloring for, it. and the other two uh, we're kind of in the preliminary process of uh, getting everything sketched out. But uh, yeah, other than the two that I uh, have in this ant- horror anthology, there's there's three that have uh, have scripts for first issues that uh, that hopefully will uh, get out there soon.
2: That's cool because you know I, I I always respect that. I always think that's such a great thing when you can actually tell a story like that. Because storytelling is one of those things that we always, we like it best. I mean, you can, you can lecture somebody, but if you can tell the story and get the point across that way, I think people are more likely to remember it. So, I, you know, I just happen to think that's a great way that you're doing it. So those are the other ones. Now, if if people want to keep up and, and catch up with your, your uh, projects, what's the best way for them to do that? Are you on social media?
3: Uh, yes. Yes. Uh... So uh, you think I'm going to follow us on our Twitter and Instagram page. Um, both handles are at legacy underscore comic. Mm-hmm. And um, right now we're in the process of getting our website set up. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're working on our web store because we plan on selling uh, our books and um, some other merchandise as well on there. Um, but we will keep everybody posted uh, through our Twitter and Instagram page as to when uh, the website is up and running.
2: What about Facebook?
3: Uh, yeah. Yes, we're also on Facebook as well. Our Facebook is at Legacy uh, Comics Inc.
2: Okay, great. great. So those will be good things to do. Um, which one of those three is the best one to go to? Are they all pretty even?
3: Uh, I would say they're all pretty even. Um I would say uh, Facebook would probably be the best page to go to because everything that we post on Instagram feeds over to our Facebook page. And um, we also put a lot up on our Facebook page. So so that might be the best bet to to get news quicker.
2: Okay, very good, very good. Well, you mentioned you were a Star Wars fan. I guess the Star Wars movie is coming out shortly. This is going to post – I think it's going to post on Sunday – the, let me look at that and make sure I have it right there. On Sunday the 21st, I think the Star Wars movie is going to be out by that time. So by the time this post, you probably will have seen the – you may have seen, let's say, the Star Wars movie. Are you planning to go see it right away?
3: Oh, yeah. I, I have my ticket for uh, Thursday <laughs> night at 6 o'clock. Uh, I'm already prepared.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. All yeah. right. So that's a big. Yeah. Thing. Are, are you much – I. I I hate to ask but are you much of a collector of Star Wars stuff?
3: Uh yes, um I have uh I guess one of my prized Star Wars uh uh pieces is I have the uh first issue that Marvel Comics put out of uh Star Wars. Hmm. Uh, I have uh a copy of that graded as well as uh a couple of uh you know different action figures and um signed uh
2: trading cards for Star Wars as well. Do you want to write Star Wars someday?
3: Uh, Man, if I uh, if I ever got uh, approached by Marvel, if I was ever lucky enough, I I would definitely that that would be something that I would love to write one day is uh, is uh, Star Wars.
2: Have you already? Sometimes writers can't help it when you watch something, you come up with stuff. Uh, Have you created characters that you might want to use? And you don't have to spoil it here because somebody might steal it, but. When you watch the Star Wars stuff and read the Star Wars stuff, this, this, your creativity might bring <laughs> characters and stuff to life in your in your mind. I mean, ha- have you done that yet? Have you thought of characters you'd like to see?
3: I've uh, for Star Wars, I haven't come up with uh, characters that I would create uh, out of the blue, but I've had I, ha- I had thought of like different scenarios, like oh, this would be cool if uh, this person showed up, or this would be cool if. You know, this Jedi came in and saved the day. I kind of came up with different scenarios uh, for different alternate endings and different scenes for uh, for both the movies and uh, shows.
2: I knew a writer who used to write novels about TV shows, and he couldn't help it when he watched TV shows. He would write down. He came up with ideas and he would write them down for novels, and he would pitch them to the, you know, the company that printed novels for such and such a thing. He wrote like Farscape and other ones and some people can't help it you know all i can do is watch the story but see that's where the difference is between you you as a writer can see these kinds of things and they they hit your mind as to to what to do so that's a great way to, to be creative and do things
3: yes uh, i uh i kind of find myself doing that for some of the tv shows that i watch uh yeah it's uh gives it a different perspective on the show yeah
2: i, I interviewed a guy who was watching a documentary on the slaughtering of pigs and he came up with a comic book as a result of it and I remember talking to him saying you know I don't think I'd come up with a comic book if I watched that kind of a documentary but he did he saw there was something in there about slaughtering and what that meant and, and all those kinds of things and he came up with a, a series on it and I was like wow Huh. Uh, that's the creative person, and I'm not. <laughs> so I always yeah,
3: like that. That's pretty interesting. I think but, uh, it sounds like something of would be in uh our anthology.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's a British guy, interesting oh, nice. enough. So uh, it's just the creative stuff is just wonderful. Now the Kickstarter you see you said do you have a specific date in January? It was the twenty fourth or something you said? Uh yes, uh January twenty fourth. All right, so we need to, uh, as we get closer to that, we need to double-check. January the 24th, it's called Legacy Presents Tales of Horror. And I think people, we need to keep an eye out for it so that when it hits, we uh, we, we can make this a success and get to see more and more of these good things happen. So, any other projects that you're working on? Anything else that we should know about?
3: right now uh another project that we have a date uh, release date um it's uh Ange Allister is doing a uh, a manga called uh city inferno mm-hmm. and um i just saw uh the synopsis and um and some of the artwork and it looks incredible um Ange has a a cool uh manga style and um and I can't wait to uh, to see the finished product. But uh, but City Inferno will be released, uh, uh, I believe right now, we're aiming for March 20th. Cool.
2: Now, i got to ask, of course, one of the great ways to sell comics or get the word out about comics is to go to conventions. Do you guys have conventions in your future?
3: Uh, yeah. Uh, so right now I'm planning on going to uh, – there's a couple of conventions in my area. Um, the next one that I'm eyeing up is called uh, The Greater Philadelphia Comic-Con, right. which is um, – it's not in Philadelphia. It's in a suburb of Philadelphia. I believe it's uh, King of Prussia,
2: right.
3: uh, PA. Um, I, I'm aiming to go to to that and uh, also Keystone Comic-Con as well as Where's the World. Which, uh, both of those are in Philadelphia as well
2: yeah i've been to wizard world philly that it, it was a good con a couple of years ago when we went to it we haven't gotten back there since but it must be that, that's nice to have three big cons like that in the area where you live that, that's a great way to make connections
3: yes uh yeah and uh we're, we're lucky that uh keystone this would be the third year uh keystone's run by uh uh reed reed pop i believe it is who mm-hmm. runs new york comic con and all, all the big ones so uh so it's uh, pretty cool that they kind of chose Philadelphia as one of their uh, destinations.
2: Are you guys going to get a table? How's uh, gonna
3: yes. Yes. Uh, pl- we plan on uh, getting a table and creating some merch and uh, bringing some of the the books that we have out, um, depending on uh, what uh, what con we go to.
2: Do you remember when these start up? I mean, are these mostly in the summer? When do they go?
3: Um. I just looked up the dates. Uh, The the Greater Philadelphia Comic Con is in April, Mm -hmm. and then Wizard World is in June, and then Keystone's usually uh, the first week in September.
2: Okay, so that's good. Yeah, it's best up there to have conventions in the warmer parts of the years because you could get snowed out. There's a Star Trek convention I know that happens always in February, and I'm always kind of like, one time they barely missed getting snowed out. Where people were able to get in, it was. But the, after the convention started, that's when the snow started. So some people had to stay there. I mean, some of us struggled through the snow to get out and go back home. But it was really interesting. February is not a time I would think up north to have a, a convention. So yeah, you get stuck in white, and it's no fun. So well, that's good. I, I, are there many of you going to get to go to the conventions? It, you said that the, the, uh, Mike lives in Florida, so I, he might have to travel to get up there. But are there several of you in the Philly area?
3: Um, uh, Right now, the, the only ones in the Philadelphia area are myself and uh, Rademis, uh Lilo, who was the uh, writer for The Coco. Okay. And Jouster's in France, and Nico's in Argentina. So, I mean, the invite's out there for them to, to come join me at the table, but uh, – I don't know if they'll they'll make it uh make it out from Argentina and uh, France.
2: Yikes! Yeah. 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 <laughs> See, that's the thing about the internet is is that you guys can communicate through the internet, and you know you can give them a script, and they can draw and send you pages back. Because I happen to edit one of the uh, indie comics that's out now. It was what's been picked up by Scout. It's called Stabby Bunny, and I'm the editor. Okay. And the, as the editor, you know, I kind of have to watch things as they go on, but uh the writer lives in Florida the uh, artist lives in North Carolina on the top of a mountain and the colorist lives in the Philippines the three of them have never been in the same room together it's wild stuff
3: yeah it's uh yeah uh yeah thankfully we have uh whatsapp and gmail and, and all mm-hmm. kinds of social media
2: <laughs> well it's great well i'm looking forward to it, the the book again legacy presents tales of horror and Brett Murphy here is, is one of the authors and writers for it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what good stuff comes out of there. I I I don't think horror has yet reached any sort of place where people are going to say, oh, not horror again. I think there's a lot of people who are big fans of horror. So I think you're doing the smart thing to start out this way. So I wish you lots yeah. of success. And I hope I get a chance to talk with you again. I'll keep an eye out. Uh, what I'll try and do is is uh, promote it on social media when, I, when it comes out in January 24th. So we're just – this is kind of our pre-getting-ready-for uh, interview. So I'm looking forward to it, though. I think it will be great, Brett. So I hope you guys you know hit the ground running and lots of good things come out from you guys.
3: All right. Thank you. Thanks again uh, for having me on the podcast. I, I really appreciate it.
0: People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man flesh and blood i can be
1: ignored i can be destroyed but it's a symbol get the latest from the comics universe news interviews previews and reviews
2: listen to the weekly wayne's comics podcast so you can keep reading your comics and now it's time for my yearly holiday tradition, the playing of Twas the Dark Night Before Christmas. This video is actually available on YouTube. If you go to that site and look up Twas the Dark Night Before Christmas, you'll find it there. It's from the folks who do I'm a Marvel and I'm a DC kind of videos and there are plenty of them. I think this is one of their first ones. What you really need to know is that there are three voices. The first one is Alfred, second one of course is Batman, and the third one is Santa Claus. And it has an interesting holiday message that I like to communicate. So without any further ado, Twas the The Dark Night Before Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas, and all
0: through Wayne Manor, not a sound could be heard, especially not laughter. There were no stockings hung, and no tree filled with lights, not a single Christmas decoration in sight. Master Bruce in his costume, and I in my robe, were up late, on the lookout for evils unknown. I missed Christmas, but he said he didn't have time. Not at all, ever since the tender age of nine. It saddened me, watching him year after year, never taking in joy, only dealing out fear. I say, sir, I pleaded with all of my might. Master Grayson is having a party tonight. Master Drake and Ms. Gordon are sure to be there. Why not leave this bleak cave and enjoy some fresh air? I've outgrown Christmas, Alfred, he answered each year. You can go if you want to, but I'm needed here. I sighed and walked upstairs to turn off the lights. Merry Christmas, I said. His reply was, Good night. I walked up to my bedroom, got under my sheets, and prepared to drift off into sweet, peaceful sleep. Suddenly, a noise woke me up with such a clatter, I ran to my window for more on the matter. And what should my wandering eyes happen to find but a man in a sleigh with eight reindeer... No, nine! i was off to tell master bruce what i had spied the fat man in the sleigh was in for a surprise but it was my surprise he had beaten me there just how fast was this man who could sled through the air who are you master bruce yelled demanding to know the fat man's belly shook as he laughed (laughs) Don't you know? He asked, giving his heels a click. Santa Claus! Father Christmas! Kris Kringle! Saint Nick! The Batman moved slowly, not wanting to harm him. Right, Santa. Let me take you back home to Arkham. But the man disappeared. He was gone in a flash, leaving only some traces of old soot and ash. Suddenly, he was back just as soon as he left. This man was indeed quite fast in spite of his heft i've come here in peace said the man have no fear batman said then explain to me why you've come here the jolly man laughed christmas time is at hand i bring gifts of joy to everyone in the land the good people come to me with their requests for their heart's desire and i do my best i need and want nothing from you batman said go and take to the streets of gotham with your sled the man in red snickered and gave him a wink the person i'm here for is not who you think i've no gift for you though you've done much good it's true but the present i'm bringing tonight well is you for when it comes to christmas you just disappear and you leave behind all of the friends you hold dear bruce said hold on a minute now that isn't true i give plenty of presents at christmas i do Gifts of cash, food, drink, clothes, anything I can find. So then how can you say that I leave them behind? (sighs) Giving gifts is something for which you've had a knack. But the spirit of Christmas is still what you lack. Your gifts are all sent, none given face to face, and you've never even accepted an embrace. If you're given a gift, you just turn it away, denying your friends what their hearts want to say. I know all of their feelings and they all know mine. Gifts are simply a symbol for which I've no time. Well, Christmas is a time for which I've always felt. Allowing others in. Let your defenses melt. My defenses are fine. Batman furrowed his brow. It's just a sign of weakness to let them go down. Santa sighed. I have never, as long as I've lived, had to teach tis better to receive than to give. I came here to open up your heart and your mind. You're determined to keep them both closed up, I find. You're just too filled with anger and pain and regret. Probably about both of your parents, I bet. You'd tell them you loved them if you could somehow, just like all of your friends want to tell you right now. Oh, the gift of allowing love to be expressed is one of the greatest gifts that one can get. For the past is behind us, the future unknown, and the moment is all that we have to call home. And so, now I leave you with this to think on. And with that, this Saint Nicholas fellow was gone. The master was silent. He was lost in thought. I wondered if this was what that fat man sought. Alfred, he said sharply, giving me a fright. You mentioned something about a party tonight. Soon we were dressed and ready and out on our way. Surely this was a miracle one had to say. He had come bearing gifts and was going inside when he stopped to look up because he had spied... That Santa Claus fellow! I exclaimed in the dark. Master Bruce simply smiled, looked up, and said, Thanks, Clark. And I heard Batman say as he walked out of sight, Merry Christmas to all. Well, at least for tonight.
2: you enjoy whatever holidays you celebrate this year. So happy holidays. I'll be back next week with more interviews. But until then, keep reading your comics.
0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time.